Hey, it's John Culp again in Lafayette, Louisiana with another episode of Hacker Public Radio. In this one, I'm going to talk about what might be the most rewarding project I have ever done in my life, and that was to build my own recumbent bicycle using a couple of old bikes that had uh, just about been discarded. And um, what prompted this was that I had for a while, this is back in 2011, 2012, I had been purchasing old bicycles at Goodwill that were of good brand and in decent shape overall, but needed some attention. Like they'd be very, very dirty, tires were flat, uh, chains rusty, things like this, but otherwise in decent shape. And I could get them there for anywhere between 10 and $20. For example, I got an excellent Trek mountain bike for $14.99 that was not rideable in its current condition, but uh, I spent maybe $20 or $30 on new parts, like it needed new grip shifters. So I bought some of those and then overhauled the hubs and the bottom bracket and everything and turned it into uh, an excellent bike. And so I really liked buying these old bikes, fixing them up, and either riding them or giving them to people or selling them or whatnot. But at a certain point, I just had enough of those, and I wanted something else I could do with these old bikes. And I came across a website called, what is it? It's called Recycled Recumbents, and I will put a link to it in the show notes. And at this website, there's a guy in Wisconsin, I think it's in Wisconsin, named Andrew Carson. And on the site, he gives you instructions and detailed plans on how to take a couple of donor bikes, what he calls donor bikes, these old discarded bikes, cut them up, reassemble them, weld in certain spots, and create a recumbent bicycle out of them. And I thought that was maybe the coolest thing I had ever seen. And so I decided that was my goal. I was going to try to find some good donor bikes and build my own recumbent. Now, there was one significant barrier to my completion of this project, and that was that I had never done any kind of welding before. So either I was going to have to learn how to do it, or get somebody else to do it for me. I'll get more to that in just a little while. But the, the goal was to build a recumbent bicycle. I started a blog about this, called johnsrecumbent.blogspot.com and actually I spelled recumbent wrong in my URL so I'll put a link in the show notes for that as well where I I document the process and I'm looking at it right now and my very first post was called I want to build a recumbent bike and this is dated February 21st 2011 and I'm kind of glad that I kept the thing around because I had forgotten exactly when it was that I did this But um, it might be good to follow along with my photo gallery also as I go through this. If you're really interested in seeing what I was working with and what I do to the stuff, you can go to another link that I'll have in the show notes, pics.johnculp.net, and look at the gallery called Recumbent Bike Project. So the way I was finally able to get started with my recumbent bike was that I scored a couple of donor bikes for free. I was at the Salvation Army one day, and when I was in the parking lot, I saw a couple of ladies pull up with a trailer full of stuff that they were donating to Salvation Army, and among all that stuff was two bicycles, and I asked, are you about to donate those bikes? And she said, yeah, would you like to have them? And I said, I certainly would. 
And so uh, I got these two bikes for free. Now, they're not ideal for doing these recumbent projects, but the, the kind you would really like to get is old road bikes, like old 10-speeds. These were both hybrids. One is a Raleigh hybrid, the other is a Nishiki hybrid. But it looked like they would do okay for the project, so I was glad to get them. And in the first photo in the gallery, you can see the two donor bikes right after I pulled them out of the van and put them on the ground. Not in rideable condition, but uh, the frames are in good shape and many of the parts were also in good shape. Now, one of the first things to do, of course, was to disassemble the bikes. And this was not really a problem for me because I had been accumulating specialized tools for a while. Uh, you know, the kinds of tools you need to take off free wheels and bottom brackets and all of that kind of stuff. So I took the bikes apart and took inventory of what parts I could use. There were usable parts on both bikes. The The crank set on one of the bikes was pretty heavy because uh, it was the crank arms were made of steel rather than aluminum, so I decided not to use that crank set. The brakes were okay on one of them, so I used those brakes, although I did buy a new brake for the rear, and I might talk more about that in a while. So those are the two main bikes. Now, I... On these long wheelbase recumbents like I was building, the rear wheel is much larger than the front wheel. Normally the rear wheel is a 700C or maybe a 27 inch wheel. And then on the front you'll have a 20 inch wheel. So I needed a 20 inch wheel as well. And so I went to Goodwill and I bought a cheap BMX style bike. One of those Next bikes that people get at Walmart for 50 or 60 bucks. And I took the front wheel off of that because it was actually not a bad wheel. It was made of aluminum and pretty sturdy. And I overhauled it and it's all it worked fine after that. I took the two donor bikes were of different sizes. One was 700C and the other was 27 inches. So I took the rear wheel off the 700C bike and that became my wheel set. The 700C and the 20. Now... The next step after disassembly and getting my 20-inch wheel from another donor bike... Oh, by the way, I only had to pay $12 for the donor bike for the 20-inch wheel, and so that was actually cheaper to buy the whole bike and take the wheel off than it would have been for me to order a wheel off of Amazon or something. So the first cuts I made were to the Raleigh Hybrid. I cut the rear triangle off of it and then started cutting the various pieces of the frame apart in the way that Andrew Carson said you need to in his plans. Now I gotta say, making those first cuts through a bicycle frame with a hacksaw was really, really satisfying. Uh, there's something just awesome about cutting right through a frame. You, you, when you look at a bicycle frame, you don't necessarily think about how easily you could cut it apart, but it actually is not very hard to do. So I cut the Raleigh apart in the appropriate spots, then I cut the Nishiki apart in other spots, and then started kind of mocking up how the frame pieces were going to fit together. The way this works with Andrew Carson's plans at Easy Recumbent, is, uh, sorry, Recycled Recumbents, is that you take advantage of the differing diameters of various pieces of tubing on these bicycle frames, and you cut them in strategic places and then reassemble them by sliding one tube into another and then braze welding them together. 
the diameters are such that normally these pieces of tube slide right in with a perfect fit, nice and tight, and then you can do uh, a simple braze weld, which is uh, melting some bronze kind of stuff around the joint to hold it in place. It's different from TIG or MIG welding. So I started cutting things apart and um, I ran into a little problem not too far into the process, which was that the the certain pieces of tubing I need, I didn't have enough of a certain diameter, but I was able to find, I was actually going to hack apart a little bike that belonged to my daughter because my calipers told me that a certain piece of tubing in that bike was the right size to make a, a piece that would join two other lengths together by sliding inside each of them and then you'd braze weld around it but I was saved from having to do that by finding in a neighbor's junk pile a really really old bike frame that was completely rusted out and um, I cut out a piece of that and checked it with my calipers and it said that it was about the right size but it didn't fit but then I decided well it's really close so I I started sanding away the rust that was on it and sanded all the rust and paint off until it was just beautiful and shiny and silver and once I did that it decreased the diameter just enough where it would slide right into those tubes where I needed it to go one of the other early challenges I had was to make what's called a fish mouth joint which is when you take a tube and have to cut well, what looks like a, a fish mount. I've got a photo of this up in the gallery. And I was only working with a hacksaw, a file, and sandpaper. And it took a good, uh, probably a whole evening, to get the fish mount joint um, where it would fit. What has to happen is this vertical tube has to go up against a horizontal tube and kind of wrap itself around it. And then you braise the joint around that. But uh, I did a pretty good job, I think. It, it fit okay and it was very satisfying when I was able to start sliding these pieces together and seeing how they were going to fit. I've got a series of photos up that shows how the pieces go together and and then how they are stuck together just by friction and I take photos and you can gradually see how the bike frame is going to fit together. One of the next things to do was to start bending some frame pieces. Like I had to take the rear triangle and bend it at a certain angle to get it to fit together the right way. And I experimented with a couple of jigs to make sure that I would do it in such a way that was even on both sides of the triangle and would also bend at the right place. It turned out that I did not use the jig I had made, but I instead used a rather large piece of pipe that we found in the metal shop. Now, speaking of the metal shop, this is what really enabled me to do the project. I happen to know somebody in the architecture and design department who was on faculty there and who I knew was good at braze welding, and I asked him if I, he would teach me how to do it. And he said, sure. Uh, he said, either I'll just do the joints for you once you've got all the pieces ready and show me how you want them, or I can teach you how to do it yourself. And I said, well, maybe a little bit of both. So i got to, first of all, thank the University College of the Arts for allowing me to have access to the metal shop, which is a spectacular metal shop. It's got all the tools that you need. It's got uh, torches. It's got welding devices, a sandblaster, 
and uh, everything you need to work with metals. So I got my friend to help me and he did the first few joints for me and uh, I was kind of grateful for that because I was still kind of scared about holding a torch in my hand but I did not want to have to rely on his availability for me to finish the project and so I did get him to teach me how to do it and after the first three or four joints he let me do them myself and I was I gotta tell you it's one of the most satisfying things I've ever done was making that first welding joint there's something just so awesome about working with hot metal and making something new out of various pieces so you can see pictures of some of the joints that we did <coughs> and that he did and um, if you go through the photos of um, Andy working in the metal shop you can see the bike frame start to take shape there's a great picture of us right about to bend the rear triangle applying heat to the two sides of it until it got glowing red hot and then I just pushed it down to bend it to the right shape and let's see one of the tr challenges in doing this kind of things is making sure that the alignment is correct when you weld the pieces together if the frame is out of alignment then it's not going to ride correctly so that that was probably the hardest part of the frame assembly was making sure that the alignment was right before applying those welds and let's see so after the welds were done I brought the pieces home and I've got some pictures of me or, or of the frame sitting in my yard and I'm starting to fit the various pieces other pieces of the bike onto it to see how they're gonna work and I was glad to find that I would not have to put new brake bosses on the rear triangle that the existing brake mount would work just fine for a rear mounted uh, caliper brake or what I eventually got was a V brake and uh, that was great so then the next thing to do was to start making the pieces for the seat now the seat it was made out of simply out of half inch conduit that I got from the hardware store the seat frame was uh, the side pieces of the seat were half inch conduit and the support pieces were three quarter inch conduit and I used um, I, I actually bought myself a conduit bending tool to um, shape the pieces what you had to do was I had to print out on several sheets of paper and tape them together the outline of the shape of the side pieces and then gradually bend them until it fit that shape and once I had one of them done then I used that one to shape the other side of the seat frame and that turned out really pretty well um, I've got a picture here of the wheel set into the rear triangle bent with a brake on there mounted in there just to see whether the brake pads are going to strike the rim properly and it looks all looks good there Yep, there's a nice close-up of a V-brake with a brake pad set in there, striking the rim just right. I was very glad to be able to use the brake bosses that were already installed. In the front, I did have to put a new piece across because the, the fork in the front was made for a 27-inch or 700C size wheel, and so the brakes would definitely not hit the rims on a 20-inch wheel up front, and so I had to put a horizontal bar across between the two sides of the fork to mount the front brake on 
and I've got a picture of that. Those were actually my very first welds that I did by myself, was to put that little piece of half-inch conduit in there as the front brake mounting point. <coughs> then I also welded the two rails that go along the bottom of the frame to the vertical tube, and at that point the frame construction was mostly done. The next part that I did was to come up with a way to support the seat. Now, Andrew Carson has in his plans a, a nice way to build a, a seat support, but it involved more welding, and I was not having as much access to the metal shop as I really needed to do this. It was only open maybe six hours a week total, and only maybe two of those hours were convenient for me. And so I wanted to come up with a solution for the seat support that would not involve welding, or at least not very much welding. And so I took another junky bicycle that I had found in a ditch and cut the rear triangle apart on that and then cut the chain stays off of it and used that as the main portion of a, the rear seat support. It's hard to understand what I'm talking about unless you see the seat that I'm trying to deal with and the, the pieces, so it's definitely recommended to look at the photos here. But um, I have a series of photos showing how the piece looks, and I there's one photo here where I have clamped one of the seat rails in place on the frame, and then put the um, cut apart chain stay or sorry seat stays on there, showing how I thought I might be able to attach it and I took the parts of another bike seat that I had. My cruiser bike got stolen a few years ago and I had replaced the seat on it but I still had the old seat and it had a couple of pieces on there that I thought I could use to create my um, rear seat support on this recumbent bike and so I've got pictures of those pieces going together and the final contraption is one of the parts of the bike that I'm most proud of that I came up with this design myself out of a bunch of parts I just had lying around and it really really worked well. So there was only one I think there was only one bit of welding I had to do with my rear seat support and that was to cut a piece of one inch bike tubing in half lengthwise so that it was like a, a trough or something and then weld that into one of the parts on this old bike seat piece so that it would receive the um, the crossbar on the seat and I could attach it to that half uh, the half split pipe I guess you would call it with some hose clamps so I've got pictures of all this stuff there's a picture here of the horizontal seat support thing clamped onto this um, improvised support with a zip tie just to kind of see how it's going to go together and then I've got pictures of the seat support piece with the half uh, the half tube welded on there after I did those welds. That was the first time I got to use the sandblaster also. I had to you have to get rid of all the chrome and paint and uh, really clean it up well before you do a weld if you want it to hold. So I got to use the sandblaster for that. And then I've got a picture here of the seat support in place using hose clamps to hold the um, the rear seat. Now this looks like it has skipped a couple of steps. My photos might not be going 
in order here. I've got another picture where my uh, bike frame is supported by a little red kiddo seat, like a, a child seat, uh, showing how the wheels will fit into the frame and showing how the seat support for the, the front part of the seat clamps on there with hose clamps and it uses two split pipes that are turned sideways and welded together. And then it shows how the seat frame will be attached to the bike. And let's see. Ah, and then I've got a picture of the seat frame all welded together in my kitchen. This is another one that I did all the welding joints myself. I was really happy with how that came out. Hardest part of that was getting the pieces to stay in place long enough to get the weld done. You have to use various clamps and um, vices creatively to get things to stay stay put long enough to do the weld. And okay, so the hardest part of the project probably was a part that I didn't necessarily even think about when beginning the project, and that was to sew the fabric onto the seat frame. The way the seat is made is it uses half-inch conduit on the side rails and then three-quarter-inch conduit across to support the side rails, and then on that you have to sew some kind of cloth. Now, people do various things. Uh, Andrew Carson on his website has lots of photos of various ways people have come up with to do the seats. But I went with his recommended way, which was to purchase some Pfeiffertex cloth from a sale supply company. I bought one or two yards of it, and it was maybe 15 or $20. I don't know. It, it's a synthetic cloth that is uh, porous. It, you know, it, it has lots of holes in it, and it's very, very strong. And uh, so what I had to do was wrap that around the frame and then sew it as tight as I could using fishing line as thread. And that was really hard. By the time I was done with one half of it, my hands were killing me. And I had to wait till the next day to do the other half. But it turned out really well. And I've got a, a great picture of it sitting up against the cabinet in my kitchen. I was really, really proud of how the seat came out as well. That was pretty hard. The sewing part was really hard. My mom probably could have done that a lot easier than I could, but it, it was hard for me. So by the time the seat is done, it's really, the whole project is nearly done. I've got a picture here of the bike almost completely assembled. It's got pedals, wheels, seat, and the what it's missing is handlebars. I was waiting for my handlebars to arrive. That was one thing that I ordered from a bicycle store was some great big ape hanger handlebars. There were a couple of options when doing handlebars on a bike like this. One is to make them yourself. Andrew Carson has some detailed plans on how to make your own handlebars out of conduit. But I decided I was not going to fool with that. I just wanted to order some big long ape hangers. And so I did. Those were maybe 25 bucks or something. And um, they... They were fine, I guess. I, I think, in retrospect, I might try to do something a little more sophisticated, like an underseat steering system, where the handlebars go under the seat and they turn the front wheel by way of a linkage system. A long rod goes up and attaches to the fork up front, and then when you turn the handlebars in the back, it turns the wheel up front. But that's that was more complication than I think I was ready for at the time. One other problem I had with the 
frame that I can see when I'm looking at this photo is that I was not able to increase the rake on the fork. Uh, the rake is the degree to which the bottom of the fork kind of bends out away from vertical. The rake was not very severe on this and Andrew in his plan says you really need to increase the rake by like three or four inches and get it where it's poking way out forward. This What this does is it helps with steering. It, it makes it work a little better. And I was not able to do that because as soon as I tried to increase the rake on that fork, it just started buckling. Like the, the metal was not going to take it. I was going to destroy the fork if I tried to rake it anymore. So I just, I just cooled it. I decided I would not push it any further and thought, well, one day if I find another fork that would be suitable, I will use that and give it the proper rake and just swap out the parts. But I've, I've never done that. I, I haven't bothered. It's turned out that I like the bicycle just fine the way it is. And, uh, and here's a picture of me with the bike, uh, all assembled except for no pedals. <clears throat> and I look awfully proud. I'm sitting on the seat for the first time and um, seeing how it feels. It's a very, very comfortable seat. And then one of the next photos is must be after one of the very first times I rode the bike because it, I have it locked up to the to the bike rack outside my office at school, which is only half a mile from my house. And I've got the original stem in there holding the handlebars. That stem had problems. It was not the right diameter, and I had to use shims to um, to get the handlebars to stay on. That was a problem that I decided to address by finding a different stem, and I did that by just taking my calipers with me to Goodwill, where they've got lots of little kids' bikes, and I just measured each stem until I found one that had the proper diameter and bought the bike for $5 and took out the stem and used it and then just uh, recycled the rest of the bike. And here are some photos... Photo number 91 out of 111 is one of the first photos of the whole bike all ready to go with the, um, yes, I have the front derailleur there and the rear derailleur all hooked up and I've got a little pouch on the back to hold my keys and stuff. One of the things I found out riding a recumbent bike is stuff really falls out of your pockets because you're sitting back in an unaccustomed way. And when you're pedaling, stuff tends to fall out of your pockets. So I, I had to put a little pouch on there to put my keys and wallet and stuff in when I'm riding. So once I got the bike all together and learned how to ride it, that was a trick too, by the way. Recumbents have a very low center of gravity. And it's a really different experience trying to ride a recumbent. It's hard to start out. Like My brother was just here visiting a couple of weeks ago. And I showed him the recumbent. He had not seen it. I, I built the thing two years ago, but he had never seen it before. And uh, he sat down and tried to ride it. And he really came close to crashing three or four times before he just gave up and said, I can't do it. <laughs> it's really hard to start out. But uh, once you get used to it, there's really nothing like it. It's so comfortable. And it's such a fun ride. You almost feel like you're driving a race car or something. Um, all of the problems I used to have with riding bikes for any distance, like my rear end hurting, my wrists hurting, my neck hurting, all of those pains went away because you're sitting in an upright position like you're in an easy chair, and it's just so comfortable. So I learned how to ride the bike by taking it over to the university and riding all around the sidewalks at night when no one was there and going into the parking lot and practicing turns, tighter and tighter turns, left and right, 
and um, I really fell in love with the bike. And so once I knew the bike was going to work great, and I wanted to keep it and ride it for a long time, it was time to decide what to do about the finish. In these pictures, 91 through 95 or so, the bike is all done, but it's still just, you can see the welds, you can see where I've sanded off paint, and it's just not finished at all. So I decided to find a place that would powder coat it for me. I found a place here in town that does powder coating, and they gave me what in retrospect seems like a pretty good deal. I think I paid $120 for them to powder coat the frame and they did it in a lovely fire engine lime green kind of color. They had just powder coated a fire engine and they had some powder left over and asked if I wanted to use that and I said, no, nah, that sounds great. So they, they did it for me. It only took them a couple of days. I had to completely disassemble every piece from the bike, of course which was kind of a bummer after having so much fun riding it for a week. I was loath to give that up, but um, it's worth it in the long run. I've got a picture here of the frame all powder-coated in yellow, and it looks terrific. And then I reassembled the bike, and uh, it looks even better, all assembled with its new sh shiny coat of paint. After sending a few pictures of the bike to Andrew Carson, he was very kind enough to send me one of his recycled recumbent head badges and I've got a photo number 104 out of 111 shows the head badge on the front of the bike and it looks great on there so the the finishing touch for the bike then was to give it a name and put some proper decaling on it and I found a place called bikenames.com that would print me a vinyl die uh, what do they call it vinyl die cut decals um, I, I looked into printing these out myself, but I couldn't find anywhere that handled the stock for them. And so I decided just to pay 7 or $8 to have this place do it for me. And it was definitely worth the money. Uh, picture number 106 out of 111 shows the decal that I got. And it's beautiful. It looks really professional and it sticks on there great. And I called it the green machine, which was... I, I think appropriate on a couple of levels. On one, it was a, a project in recycling, taking a couple of bicycles that were being discarded by someone and turning them into something new. And, of course, the fact that it's human-powered makes it a green machine also. And it's kind of a lime green color, so that also makes it green. One of the last things I did to the bike was to attach a rack to it. The bike was great, but I could not carry anything. It's not like a regular bicycle where you can put on a backpack because your back is right against the seat, so you can't wear a backpack when you're riding this bike. And I found that while I could ride just fine, I couldn't carry anything except for whatever would fit in this little bitty pouch. And so I needed a rack, and I, I found a steel rack that I'd taken off some other Goodwill bike a long time ago. And I cut off the front part of the rack. You can see a series of photos here where I show this. I cut off the front part and then attached it to the... what did I attach it to? Some part of the frame, I guess I can't remember. Oh yeah, I attached it to the old brake mount from the uh, seat support and I used hose clamps to do that and the uh, bottom part of the rack will just attach to where there are screws there down by the uh, 
by the rear axle. And that works great. So now I can put a, a what are these? I've got these um, pannier kind of bags that I can mount on either side and carry quite a lot of stuff. And that's that's about it, I think. Uh, it was an amazingly satisfying project and something that um, it's it really paid off huge dividends. It allowed me to ride my bike a lot more than I used to because it got rid of all the pain I used to have. I just to hate riding any more than about two or three miles because my wrists would hurt so much from leaning on them and my neck would hurt from looking up at the road because I was all hunched over the front. And uh, it's just so much more comfortable. It's really fun. It's a great conversation piece because it's a unique item. And um, riding around knowing that I built it myself, it just feels great. It's one of those projects that for a hacker is amazing. Check out the photos. I've got a couple of videos on YouTube also that I will probably put links to in the show notes. And um, maybe it'll inspire you to take on a similar project of your own. Hope you enjoyed that, uh, my recycled recumbent bicycle. Talk to you later. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All Binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike, 3.0 license.